say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Some of us are outwardly successful, but inwardly feel unhappy and living a life lacking in purpose and meaning. The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer can help you discover what's important to you and how to go for it. For more information or to purchase the book, visit carlgreer.com. That's C-A-R-L-G-R-E-E-R.com. Vox Novus, the new voice. Vox Novus, the new dimension. Vox Novus, thought and movement leaders who will share from their experience and offer tools to help us navigate our rapidly changing world. My name is Victor Furman. Welcome to Vox Novus, the new voice. There is a secret language that dogs use, and you can learn it to understand and communicate with your pet, help resolve common behavioral issues, and transform your dog into a calm, intuitively obedient companion you can share your life with. My guest this week on Vox Novus, Jesse Sternberg, learned through personal experience to combine mindfulness, meditation, animal psychology, and communication to help build a calm and peaceful mindset for both you and your dog. Jesse Sternberg is a mindfulness teacher, meditation instructor, and master dog trainer. He's the founder of the Peaceful Alpha Project and has been working with animals for more than 30 years. His website is PeacefulAlpha.com, and he joins me this week to share his path and new book, Enlightened Dog Training, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. Please join me in welcoming to Vox Novus, Jesse Sternberg. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, thanks for having me here. And thank you for joining us. I think you, you have a very unique book that we're going to share today. Jesse, please share with our listeners your path and how it led to your work with mindfulness, meditation, and dog training. You know, you can look back in time and see how it all lines up. But at the time, you know, it, it unfolds in its own mysterious way. Um, I was just uh, working in the business world. I was in my early 20s. I had a sheep dog. We sent her to dog daycare. We loved her so much. I, we, I would watch her on the webcam from work. And right around that time, I was just blessed with this uh, spiritual experience, uh, which I couldn't explain. Um, I was just getting into yoga and meditation. It was my mid-20s. And uh, at the end of a session that I was doing in my attic on a YouTube video, poof, I turned into just, I think it was like white light sound vibration. And it, it rattled me in an amazing way because for the next three days, I just had a set of eyes that didn't make sense to what I was used to. 
Um, and so that was the beginning of the spiritual taste. Um, I had the love for dogs. I did not like working downtown in the corporate world. Uh, and so I was reading a lot of Deepak Chopra and uh, his book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Yoga. Uh, I'll paraphrase it. My own words was basically trust the universe, do what you love, serve, and, and don't worry about it. And so I opened up a dog daycare pretty much within a month of reading that. And it was called Woof and Schluff. <laughs> I was not a dog trainer at the time. I was a business guy and I, I, on the windows of the, of the, of the business, because dog daycares weren't really something you could zone for um, as a business. They didn't really exist at the time. Uh, I just put dog training on the window <laughs> and dog grooming on the window. And I never attracted a dog trainer, but I attracted a ton of amazing groomers and I think the universe just sort of had in store for me to just become this homegrown dog trainer. And after a couple of years with, of working with a bunch of pack with, with a bunch of different packs of dogs that would come in and out of there. Um, I had sort of mastered the art of, you know what, everybody just leave me alone and let me be quiet with my dogs and, and, and I can control them. And it took me a while to figure out what I was doing and how I was communicating to them and connecting with them and, to be able to articulate that. Uh, it was very, very much influenced by the spiritual texts that I was just consuming on the sideline because I couldn't make sense of that experience that I had. And how did that unfold for you that you realized that mindfulness and meditation could be combined with developing our relationship with dog companions? And how did this manifest for you? In sort of a perfect eureka moment, I would say a couple of years into the business, I was contemplating that a dog can never not be in the now and that they communicate with each other. I had studied uh, a bunch of different training uh, techniques, and there's a trainer, Turid Rugas, who uh, developed this idea that dogs have calming signals. And they use them to communicate with each other to calm them down. And, and that was sort of playing in, in the backdrop. And uh, it hit me. They're always making signals. They're actually never not making signals. And you can only see that if you're sort of, you know, if you're in a peaceful place within yourself. Um, and so from that moment on, I, I, really began working with the dogs in a meditative state on purpose and, and relating to them and experimenting ways to relate to them. And what I thought that their frame of reference, frame of reality uh, was to them. Uh, I could tell from the dog parks that I'd visited and from just in my own daycare that when a territory is established, there's a pecking order. The dogs do that themselves. Well, how do they know? How do they know that when, you know, Rusty wants to take the tennis ball, he just has to walk up and sort of, you know, give you a little look and you walk away. How do they know how to do that? And if that's a real thing, wouldn't it be cool if I could do that? Or if we could all do that? You know, a lot of dogs love their masters, but they don't really offer them that kind of respect uh, when, when, when we're asking for things. And it kind of it dawned on me that, you know, 
all of the all of the clients that I was training and working with, when it came to our own dogs, we didn't really have great boundaries in that relationship. We'd let our dogs walk all over us. And, and when I really thought about that, it was like, well, that's not really an act of self-love that I'm making to myself if I just let let my dog get his way with me uh, in certain moments all of the time. Which yeah. leads to the subtitle of your book, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. How do you define peaceful alpha and how does the average human being become one? Okay, so first of all, I want to take a minute to talk about the alpha thing because that can be a triggering word. Uh, I'm not meaning that word in terms of dominating uh, or, or taking I, I'm, I'm kind of identifying the role that all of the dogs in my business would give to me and the kind of status and obedience that they would give to me just when I displayed certain behaviors, um, which I would describe as chivalrous, benevolent, grounding, reassuring, um, one of the coolest discoveries that I made about the secret language of dogs is that it happens in the emotional realm. Dogs communicate with each other with unbelievable emotional intelligence and emotional control. Um, they throw around feelings like we throw around words. Uh, as an example, um, when a dog is super, super, super neurotic and excited and whiny and beggy, they know that they can get something from us. They know how to hit a note with a bark that's going to get their, their owner's attention. So in other words, there are, there are pockets of time where the dog sort of takes over in the leadership. And in those moments, the feeling that's underlying that moment is a little bit neurotic, a little bit anxious, a little bit excited, a little bit overexcited. Um, and in those moments, those strong feelings, well, they have to be acted out of the body. And, and the dog is no different than, than the person. If we have really strong feelings, we'll pace, we'll bite our fingernails, we'll fidget, and we'll do all these behaviors unconsciously, which is a contrast to just being you know, a mountain of peacefulness, like you might feel after a beautiful Shavasana. So the idea behind becoming the peaceful alpha that your dog needs and respects is learning how to hold that peaceful mountain of, of, of calmness yourself in your own energy field so that you can keep the shared emotional frequency that you and your pack, your dog um, live in that becomes a tranquil canvas so that in the present moment, you can create flavors of feelings on purpose with your actions. Really, we're talking about two kinds of flavors, something that's like really good and something that's a little bit contrasting. When you create the flavor of something's really good, like as I'm kind of doing with my voice, it's like a praise. You're communicating to your dog right now. I like what you're doing. Right now, do more of this. When you create the contrasting feeling, it almost, it almost makes them kind of go, okay, is everything safe right now? It's instinctive to them. 
Should I pause? What should, what's going on? What are you trying to tell me? So we have ways of, of getting into like um, suggesting yes and no. Do this more, do this less, stop this now, um, calm this down. It's all at the emotional level because the actions create the feelings. So there's this idea at play, which is uh, get yourself present. Start thinking of in, in a line of consciousness that an animal might think in a domestic setting, you know, this is my territory. Where is the territory vulnerable? It's the front door. It's the windows. What are the resources? Okay, they're my toys. They're uh, my food and my bowl. And um, these are things that a pack of dogs in my daycare or um, at the dog park would be able to use animal postures to communicate their status over these things. And when you have a little bit of control over the resources and the territory, what actually happens is you bring this sense of safety and peace of mind and uh, orderliness to the flow of their life. And you take the, the emotions right out of that, which leaves calm, obedient behaviors just naturally. And this is something that happens in, in the wild um, yeah, with all animals. Uh, within a family, no one's fighting over the, over the food. It's just calmly distributed. When they're traveling, they're just calmly traveling. Everything is done at the frequency of nature, which is tranquility. With people and their dogs, it's, it's hardly like that. And so we have yet to develop this kind of connection where the dog just goes, okay, that is my master. I trust his every move or her every move. If she says, stop, I'm just going to relax and listen because I understand why she's telling me to do that. Um, we're connected. We see the world through a, through a lens that we can share. Um, my, my human understands my feelings because they understand my calming signals and they understand why I'm making them. My human is present. This is the idea um, that inspires me the most is to, of course, I love dogs and I love animals and I love nature, but I really love people. And I, I want to spread this light because this is going to expand consciousness. Let's touch it on that for a second. The majority of our listeners have a practice of either yoga uh, and meditation or mindfulness meditation. And I would say 75 to 80% of our listeners have some form of spiritual practice where they find that sense of peacefulness, where they find that sense of connection to nature and everything, where they find themselves connected to themselves also. But there's about 20 or 25% who may be saying, yeah, how do I get to that place? What would you suggest? Uh, oh, well, that's a very human thing. I, everyone who's tasted what you're describing has gone through that phase. So the, you're already climbing the ladder if you're asking that question, um, is what I would say the first thing. And then the, the final thing is just be patient because... Um, Thoughts, feelings, mental space, uh, those have momentum to them. They have momentum to them. If we could just flip a switch and get there, we would just flip a switch and get there. But what we're really playing with is sort of mother nature itself, the way the mind works. It's very natural. So uh, 
be easy on yourself because that's an easier vibration. That's, that's going to be something that pulls you back in, learn how to pivot out of, um, these are just dog training techniques that I do too. learn how to pivot your focus out of something that's sucking you away from tranquility. You don't have to do a mindfulness thing other than that. Search for the thing that's going to be easy with dog training. It's all about efficiency. Um, and so aren't we doing that? Aren't we just learning how to temper our, ourselves and, and get a little bit more connection with our own emotional reactivity to stimulus in our environments? As many have said before me in, in a much more articulate way, we may not be able to control that which happens to us, but we can control our reaction to it. Well, that's the practice is developing that control. Yeah, we, we have the potential to develop that control. And once we develop that control, then we start to develop our karma. We start to bleed out of our, our, our old karma. And that's the momentum piece. Once all that karma is kind of burnt through, what's left is, for the listener, what's left is just a calm lake most of the time. Or the ability to turn your sail and catch the wind or see the wind coming. Yeah, the feelings are always there. <laughs> Most of us recognize one or two of the nonverbal gestures our dog companions make. You call this the secret language of dogs. In enlightened dog training, you share several of these. Please give our listeners clues to one or two that we might not have considered. Sure. All right. Um, consider that when an animal makes direct eye contact with another animal, that's an action that is a little bit confrontational and generates a feeling that communicates the same thing. So our dogs, so that's one signal that our dogs will show us that we're making by accident. And they're going to show us we're making that by accident because they're going to give us a calming signal. They're going to be looking away from us, averting that eye contact. They're going to be blinking as a response to our eye contact. That's also an aversion. They're showing that's an action that they're saying they're not holding the eye contact in both suggestions. They would move a little bit backwards as a response to, no, I'm not being confrontational. They would make their body lower to the ground, either sitting, laying down, putting their chin down which is a, a sequence of surrendering in itself. Um, they would yawn as a social response saying, hey, mellow out over there. <laughs> that's a, that's a, you're stressing me out a little bit. <laughs> and, and when are we looking at our dogs and, and causing these things? When we're joy searching, mm. when, we're, when we're just enjoying how adorable our dog is. You know, that's a, that's a situation where the intention totally doesn't line up with the communication. And the eye contact has that effect, even though a dog's visual acuity is different than ours. Of course. And, you know, you don't have to be even making eye contact with the dog. You could just have your face pointing in that direction. You could have your body pointing in that direction. You could be walking in a straight line. Uh, towards your dog. So it, it's really something to meditate on, which is animals understand uh, how 
the emotional impact of this. And they have developed an unbelievably sophisticated language to show you that they won't make eye contact with you on purpose. And I like to think that their hearts and their brains and their heart on that one. So in the secret language of dogs, we have the nonverbal gestures. What about the barks? Are there interpretations of different kinds of barks? Ah, I'm definitely not a bark master, but <laughs> I do think that you get to know your dog's sounds. The more in tune you are with your pet, you kind of get to know, oh, that means I need to, you know, I need to go pee or that means I'm a little bit scared or that one means I'm a little bit excited. Um, I'm usually looking at what else is happening with the bark. What's happening in the territory? Are there any objects that are magnetizing their attention? What's the, what's the dog feeling? It's usually going to be excited or scared. And the strategy for quelling both of those emotions is different. So is there a specific, uh, the, the pitch of the bark or something that could be a, a clue to us in addition to looking at what the dog's dealing with? I'm, I'm not comfortable answering that. I, okay. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about that one. All righty. I'm not going to put my eye contract directly on you to elicit a response. That That's beautiful. Know. There you go. So you get it. I'm looking <laughs> like this. Same thing. Absolutely. My guest is Jesse Sternberg. His book, Enlightened Dog Training, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. Jesse, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you. Information on where my book is found and on me can, can be uh, reached at peacefulalpha.com. Um, the book is available in all major places, Amazon, uh, Indigo in Canada, Barnes and Noble, all the major places in the UK, US and Canada as of November 23rd. And we also share that we want to support our local bookstores. So if you want to buy Jesse's book, and I suggest that you do, go into your local bookstore, say, I want a copy of Enlightened Dog Training, and if they don't have it, ask them to please get it for you. But don't look them in the eyes while you're asking, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back with more of Jesse after these words on the Ohm Times Radio Network. The best of the holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Ohm Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Ohm Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. So I'm a cat. And I just moved in with this new human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 tap. Bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Imagine yourself being transported to India, to the banks of the Ganga, and an ashram in Rishikesh. 
visualize that you are welcome to satsang with an American sannyasi who shares the wisdom of her guru. Your visualization has manifested. Join Satvi Bhagawati Saraswati for inspiration and transformation every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Om Times Radio. Dad, I picked up your pills, made your lunch, and your laundry is done. When you care for a loved one, you take care of everything. But are you taking care of yourself? Find free care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Back on Vox Novus, my guest this week is Jesse Sternberg. His book is called Enlightened Dog Training, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. Jesse, at the end of the last segment, I was talking about going into our local bookstores and asking for your your book, and if they don't have it, to look them in the eye, look the owner in the eye, and gently and lovingly ask them to get you a copy or get the the listener a copy of the book. You had a point about that when we were talking offline. Please share that point. Yeah. Okay. So we were we were we were talking a whole lot about how the essence of the dog language system is about avoiding this forbidden angle of direct eye contact and how they rest and have all kinds of gestures that will be a response, a compassionate response saying, don't worry, I'm not intending you any conflict, you know, back to our unconscious sort of staring at them. And uh, I don't want people to take away that you never look your dog in the eye. In fact, in all of our communications, there is a wise moment when you do want to make eye contact and you do want to do it peacefully because when you make the eye contact, it's an alpha move. So uh, what's my guiding star on this is if I'm in a relationship where something truthful needs to be spoken, then I'm going to do it with eye contact and I'm going to do it softly. And I'm going to lean into how uncomfortable it makes me feel when I'm making that eye contact because that emotion gets to be communicated and expressed that way. Uh, it's a very powerful way of talking. It almost um, talks subliminally to the subconscious of the other dog or to the dog or the other person because they have to respond to your body language. So just simply looking them in the eye and saying, hey, would you mind ordering that book for me? And then holding the gaze until they blink or look away from you. Of course, at which point you would turn the eye contact off, maybe take a step backwards, maybe pivot your body 45 degrees open to the side. Uh, you'll find you get, yes, a whole lot more than you would expect. Absolutely. It's all about presence, isn't it? Totally. And in any type of spiritual work, any type of counseling or healing work, when you're listening to someone, leaning in, giving the presence, and having that very compassionate and loving eye contact is essential. Exactly. And you know what's so interesting is when I teach this uh, secret language of dogs to dog lovers, you know what they struggle with the most? Using the eye contact to tell the dog no. Mm. It, it brings up unbelievable feelings inside of them that have nothing to do with the dog, but basically every relationship that's ever kind of brought that feeling into them, you know, not respecting my words. Um, 
that's why it's such powerful work. And it's also why I kind of refer to the fact that your dog is your guru. Absolutely. I love, by the way, listeners, when you see the cover of Jesse's book, it's a uh, dog in lotus position. And we, my wife and I actually have a statue of a dog in lotus position right in the front of our home. So I, I, I really loved the book cover when I saw it. Getting back to the secret language of dogs. The dogs have a way of communicating that they're not feeling well before noticeable physical symptoms manifest. Emotionally, yeah. From an emotional standpoint, feeling well, yeah. From a physical standpoint, I don't think we're talking about that, right? We think we're talking about the behaviors of the dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a dog that's... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is, this is the really simple way that I look at it. If a dog is laying down with their chin down on the floor, mm -hmm. but conscious, but paying attention, that's just about the most perfect dog pet you could have. From there, as its feelings get a little bit more disturbed, as their mental peace gets a little bit more disturbed, they're going to move their body up into a seated position. From there, if they get even more disturbed, more scared, more excited, they're going to go up into a standing position. So what's happening here is the amount of surface area of the dog's body that is literally grounding becomes less and less and less and less. When they're standing even if they're standing still, that's still a well-behaved dog, but we know that it's a little bit less peaceful than if it was sitting down or laying down with its chin down. If it's standing and we see uh, the tail shaking very fast, the tail to me is an extension of the nervous system. It could mean the dog is happy. It could also mean the chitta is very vritti. From there, we might see a, uh, a dog scratch its ear just sort of bust into scratching its ear or chewing its front paws or chewing its tail. To me, that's anxiety. To me, that's an expression of, you know, you see somebody tapping their toe under the desk or chewing their nails. And when that's happening, I'm usually observing what's happening in the present moment. What just happened? What just happened here? And part of that observation is what did, what am I, what just happened in my feeling canvas? Did I just get a weird email? Did the tone of my voice just change? Um, dogs are just really in tune with what we're feeling. And when our feelings change, that's a communication. If we suddenly become anxious because of something we watched on TV, our dog's not watching TV. Our dog's thinking our master just got anxious. Okay, what's up? 
what's up right now. <laughs> and then they'll pop out of their laying down position into their standing position and they might start trotting. They might start trotting in a little bit of a circle. That's just pacing, similar. So as the peaceful alpha, we have to really be aware of our physical posture and verbal tone toward our dogs. Yeah, and in all relationships. As we get up, as we get the better behavior out of our dog by changing our own behavior, we can't help but take this knowledge into how we communicate with other human relationships as well. We learn to come in real soft, how to time things, how to influence in a charming way. I'm going to share a little personal story. Uh, when uh, our son Alex was 13, uh, he's a small guy, and uh, we, he kept asking for a dog, and we figured at 13 he was ready. And uh, one day we took a trip out to several shelters here looking to adopt, and we went under the premise that we might not find the perfect dog for him that day, but we would look and uh, went to several shelters and several beautiful dogs and some heartbreaking stories, but nothing yeah. really resonated until we got to this final place, a place called the Little Shelter out in Northport, New York. And I dropped him and his mother off at the parking lot. I parked the car. And then when I walk into the office, what do I see? My <laughs> wife sitting there with this expression of resignation on her face. <laughs> Alex on the floor with this beautiful dog, uh, kind of maroon and white, uh, with one blue eye and one brown eye on top of him licking his face. Yeah. As if there was a reunion of old friends. Yeah. And uh, she was a Louisiana leopard dog that had been rescued from Hurricane Katrina down in, in New Orleans. Wow. And brought up to New York for adoption. She had actually been adopted by another family up here in New York, but because of the fact that she couldn't get along with their dog, they actually were returning her mm -hmm. literally at the same time that we were arriving there. Wow. And, and uh, she was a, what they call a Louisiana leopard dog or a catahoula, wonderful, wonderful dog. And in those days, whenever our family had a decision to make where there was a difficult decision, we'd all get together and uh, Alex would be between my wife and I, and we hugged together, and we called it a bug hug. And the bug hug means like snug as a bug in a rug. That's cute. And when we were about to make the decision as to whether to adopt her or not, uh, Alex called out bug hug, and we all got together as this bug in a rug, snug, and, and the dog, which we named Kismet, I'll explain that in a minute, came between us all right into the center, and we yeah. knew she was meant for our family. We knew yeah. she was part of our family, and we adopted her. And the reason I named her Kismet, I actually pulled up the name Kismet, is because it was fate that she was being brought back when we arrived, which in the Arabic language, Kismet means fate or something that was predestined. And they kissed when they met. So Kismet. I, I was sensing that the whole way. And I knew intuitively that Kismet was going to jump into your circle. That's just poetic. And Kismet was a puppy. She went, when I say puppy, she was probably around 30, 35 pounds when we adopted her. She ended up being over 100 pounds when she matured. Wow. Uh, but she acted, we used to take her, we had a local dog walking park, and she used to act very submissive in the presence of other dogs. But as she matured, she started turning the tables. Is that a common trait with, with dogs from puppy to adult, that they may be a little bit submissive as, as puppies, but get a little more dominant as they, as they age? You know, um, if I were to take my, my eight-year-old son's uh, very good at basketball, so I take him to Rucker Park and we watch all the teenagers and the men play basketball. And then 10 years later, 
he triples in size and in prowess, but instead of it taking 10 years for a dog, it takes like six months. Right. <laughs> and, and he knows he's a different being out there. So I think when you have a dog that becomes a hundred pounds, I like to call that the LeBron James size dog. <laughs> it takes them a minute to recalibrate. They're a different prep. They are, their presence has changed and they know it. They just need to figure it out a little bit. So I think that's not what you're describing. I've seen that before. And socialization, meaning as a dog owner, the more I let my dog interact with other dogs, I'm always doing that with that peaceful alpha presence and reading my dog's signals and stuff like that. Because if your dog is, you know, has the prowess of a LeBron James, you have different, hmm. the etiquette is to have different expectations for that dog. That dog should be well, more, what, more obedient and, and better tempered than a little chihuahua that's adorable, that is totally untrained. Mm. that's just the unconscious expectation of humanity what are a few of the signs that our dogs may be distressed or stressed um okay so those same signs that i was describing before the scratching of the ear the chewing of the paw the chewing of the tail um those things will become chronic Meaning they're not just happening once they're happening every day because whatever's happening in their life that's creating that is happening every day. So the paws that were uncolored, they become stained because the dog keeps licking them um, or a little bit of a scad starts to form at the ear. Um, generally speaking, we're not even like that ourselves. Most people have these, me, myself included, these little neuroses. So we're not really shooting for a perfect target here. We're shooting for a, a mindfulness, um, a mindset, a focus, a state of focus that, that we make our, our mission. Um, just, just searching for that. Uh, striving for that, I mean, is a better way of saying that. Um, Going the other way around, uh, if we can help our dog find that position that's going from standing into sitting into laying down into laying down with the chin down, which is actually a, a very predictable sequence. I write about it in the book a lot. And that's the sequence. I refer to this as the sequence of surrendering. Um, dogs know how to, dogs are gurus, emotional gurus. They, if they have a little bit of help from their peaceful alpha, we can shift their focus, shift their emotional focus, and they know how to release it fast, faster than we know. And the evidence of them releasing it is a like a very big shake of the body. <laughs> like one of those, <laughs> my dog just shook because I did that. Um, we can coax our dog into uh, these types of behaviors by doing them ourselves. We can yawn at our dog to encourage the calming uh, effect of it. What we're looking for is the transition from standing and sort of trotting into standing still and from standing still into sitting. When the dog decides to go from standing into sitting, even if a moment before that 
we could tell that she was anxious. Our brain should be cognizing, not anxious now, calming now. So it's really a training of our own self to not hold on to what we think is the truth <laughs> and to let it keep coming at us, keep observing it. When we hold that mind space, we become the peaceful alpha. We become instinctually reactive in, in a chivalrous way, in a loving teacher, parent kind of way. Just out of curiosity, when you do downward facing dog pose, do the dogs do it with you? <laughs> That's a playful pose. It's a mm. bow. It's about a hundred percent. I do that. And my dog starts wagging his tushy and bowing back at me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm relaxing. <laughs> That's wonderful. In enlightened dog training, you share that in all trainings, repetition is the key. Do all dogs learn that way or are some faster learners than others? Oh yeah. Some are faster than others for sure. Just like people. Depends on the connection, depends on the environment that we're training in. It depends on the baggage. Sometimes it's really tricky to change a habit groove in ourselves as well, especially if it's a, it's a really strong emotional one. So different strategies. Um, sometimes, hmm, sometimes we don't even want to do repetition. Sometimes we just want to let that junk go. Uh, here's an example. A dog that's hyper-reactive, that goes from peaceful into being feeling like it's threatened and just needs to lunge and bark. We never want to repeat that. <laughs> we wanna, we wanna, we wanna bring calm reassurance that don't worry, big guy, that's not gonna be happening anymore. Not on my watch. Yeah, that brings that question about about a dog who had been previously adopted or perhaps abandoned and had not the most perfect socialization training in their prior relationship with humans. They need a special kind of loving, don't they? I, don't, I definitely instinctually want to tell you absolutely not. We mm. do not want to have a story about a dog that we adopted. That makes our emotional frequency non-peaceful. Mm. It puts us into a little bit of a cautious state of mind. We might worry, we might anticipate. And when we're feeling those things, those feelings are the communication to the dog that something right now is worrying us. Uh, what we want to do is let the dog's life with us tell us the story. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If we, if, we reach at the, if we reach at a particular new dog and the dog moves away, well, then we can start to go, okay, I'm not going to reach at you, big girl. I got you. And I don't need to know why. <laughs> I don't need to make up stories that you were abused because that's going to change my emotional frequency. So the dog, in essence, is going to be training us. Yeah, let it meet the dog where it's at. Let the dog tell you where it's at. That's the high. That's the high love way to do it. Absolutely. My guest is Jesse Sternberg. His book, Enlightened Dog Training: Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. We'll be back with more of Jesse after these words on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, please visit humanityhealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers, pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday, and together we can discover what's really going on. Back on Vox Novus, my guest this week, Jesse Sternberg. His book is called Enlightened, I'm sorry, Enlightened Dog Training, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. One of the insights you share in Enlightened Dog Training is about the proper approach to line-of-sight walks and also what you call arcing. Please explain. Sure. Um... So getting back to the nuances of this secret language, uh, direct eye contact generates that feeling of contrast, that scary, intimidating feeling. Well, no animal, mm, how can you intensify that message, right? If you're sending that message like, hey, yeah, Chihuahua, don't take my tennis ball, uh, you know, in the dog world, uh, the dog's going to make the eye contact, but if that message isn't strong enough, that intensity can be turned up like a volume meter and it gets turned up by making direct straight line motion towards the other 
uh, animal. So it's not enough just to not look. You want to not walk at something in a straight line too. That's what the animals do. The animals take it to that next step. They say, if looking at you is going to be scary, when I walk to you and I'm being peaceful, I'm going to walk to you in an arc. If you think that through, you might see two dogs in your mind's eye with no leashes on them and they walk to each other and they actually at the last second do a little bit of a curve and then they do a a sniff you from behind. Right. And from the behind, if you show an animal your back, that's the most vulnerable thing that you could do in an, as an action in the animal kingdom. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very noble greeting. <laughs> and it's what is the forbidden greeting. angle? The forbidden angle is not looking at another dog in the face, in the eye, unless you have uh, a noble reason to do it. A noble reason could be, hey, don't bark. You know, this is my sister and she came into my house. Um, A noble reason might be, don't take that pizza slice that I just put down on the desk. It's mine. And while you're at it, don't jump on the couch. I'll be back in 10 seconds after I go to the bathroom. And when I walk away from you, I'm actually still looking at you in the forbidden angle as my posture moves away from you because I'm communicating a message of seriousness. Okay. So there's ways that we, it's the simplest way to teach a human about this is to first teach them how the control of never doing it. The second piece is to understand when and how to do it. And there's different intensities that you can make. And and obviously you want to be the least confrontational when you're asking for something, just as a general rule makes you a nice person. Which, Which leads to the question about proper hand posture when greeting a dog for the first time. How should our hands be? Oh, I love this question. This is a total myth bust. Aren't we taught, you know, reach the back of your hand uh, towards the dog, offer the back of your hand, let the dog sniff it. Um, I'm strongly opposed to that action because that action is threatening. That action is a violation of the forbidden angle and it intensifies. You're basically looking at the dog and then you're reaching to the dog's face. So even though you're intending to come at the dog with peaceful intentions, your action is putting them at edge. If the dog is a little bit sketchy from a past life, that's a risky move. If you've never met the dog before, you're burning your equity. You're not coming in like a, like a gentleman. I like to come in, let the dog see that I see the dog. And then I like to sort of become still and offer my side flank or my back flank. Again, that's that action of vulnerability. If a dog's not interested in me, by the way, it's also me making a calming signal right out of the gate, which is a total different communication than making the forbidden angle, the reaching towards or offering the back of the hand. Then what I'll do is I'll sort of make an arc sort of away from the dog and I'll sit down making my body lower, I'm going through that sequence of surrendering. I'm going from walking into standing still into sitting down. All of this is communication that's peaceful and it's, inv- it's egoless. 
I don't need to meet the dog touching it like a human. What I do want the dog is to share that frequency of calmness. Mm. And by observing the dog as it's making calming signals to my moves, that's a connection that's lasting minutes. It's so much richer than just letting the dog lick, lick your hand for 10 seconds and then not thinking about it. Absolutely. And just wait for the cherry on top. The invitation of these actions for the dog to come to you, to sniff you while you don't react, and then to lay down by your foot, then to pet the dog. That's unbelievable connection. Absolutely. What are power objects and how do they apply in training? Power object is something that magnetizes the dog's focus and starts to change their feelings from calm into very excited. Okay. So this might be a dog bone that, you know, fresh dog bone or bully stick that you pull out or a Kong that's stuffed um, that you've kind of pull out every single day. At the same time, it builds up this momentum where your dog just can't stop focusing on it. Now that's an, or that's something that you could create as an asset to leverage their desire to want it. And you could use it as a training tool, but there are other instances that I refer to as power objects, which might be a squirrel, your dog, some dogs see a squirrel and they just can't take their mind off that squirrel. And when that's happened, the reason that this is so important to understand is because in that moment, you have lost your status with your dog. Your dog does not care about you at all. Versus if you can take some strategic action, which is a communication in that moment, you can relate to that power object that your dog is magnetized to with a little bit of peaceful authority. And all of a sudden, now you control the magnet, you control your dog's mind. Do most of us in the United States feed our dog companions incorrectly? That's such a trap of a question. I love it. Feeding ourselves correctly is such a funny way of thinking about things too. How often do we eat the best food that we could possibly choose for ourselves. And how often do we sit down and take a moment to bless it and get in the right mindset and get calm before we eat it ourselves. I'm guilty of that. Um, the right way to feed a dog is to just offer the food when the dog's in a calm state of mind to control the food, to control the action of giving the food to the dog so that you're not rewarding it for becoming neurotically excited. I, I can't speak to that other than that. I want to plant that seed because that is a mindfulness practice itself that will never, that will just keep blossoming. How may we apply what you're sharing about our relationship with our dog companions to our relationship with one another? Beautiful. Start to tune into our body language and start to tune into the body language of the people that we are in relationships with. It's pretty easy to see if someone's body language is closed 
once you start getting attuned to it. And then the trick starts to become, how can I get softer when you're closed? How can I get softer and a little bit more seductive to open you up a little bit? Because when you're there, then I can make, then I can time my communication. You can heal all your relationships. This is the technique that I first learned how to train dogs with. And then this became the technique that I used to heal the relationships that I had with everyone around me in my circle. What ends up happening is you become known as calm. You become known as pleasure giving. You become known as the bringer of peace. Your actions are trusted. So uh, you're non-reacting to some of the, you know, maybe the toxic moments that you might've inflamed before. So you're establishing boundaries. Learning how to control your own actions with your dog takes emotional control and those give you dividends and insights into your relationships. Absolutely. My guest, Jesse Sternberg, his book, Enlightened Dog Training, Become the Peaceful Alpha Your Dog Needs and Respects. Jesse, one more time, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you. Oh, Find out more about me on PeacefulAlpha.com and go to your local bookstore and ask them for it. If they don't have it, ask them to order it or otherwise get it on your Kindle, get it from Amazon, get it from any major bookstore online or in retail in the UK, Canada and US. And on PeacefulAlpha.com, what else can readers find there? They can find free masterclasses. They can find uh, ways that they can work with me. I have an online course, uh, um, Learn How to Become Your Dog's Own Whisperer. And that's a hybrid of some uh, video content and meditations and um, downloadable course kits that I've made for people, uh, as well as private coaching or group coaching with me uh, in person or on the internet. Jesse, just out of curiosity, do you chant in the presence of your dog or dogs? I do. Um, And it's taken on a slightly different vibe because chanting can create a vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes my praises become repetitive. Dum 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 good boy dum dum dum. You know, and that might be a way of me flavoring in the moment with like a 10 second praise. Oh, you're walking really good with me right now, really focused on a loose leash. That's how I'm going to mark that moment without disrupting the flow. I'm going to deepen the group. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us and sharing this enlightened wisdom, not only about our animal companions, but about each other. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Victor. Thanks for having me on the show. And thank you for joining us on Vox Novus. I'm Victor, the voice Furman. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.